It's common for people to wake up early here. Uh, but you can also say it's normal for people to wake up early. It's weird for people to wake up early. It's typical for people to wake up early. It's unusual for people to wake up early. It's difficult, easy or healthy for people to wake up early. But you can also change people. You can say it's uh, common for dogs to wake up early. It's common for kids to wake up early. For women between the ages of 28 and 41 to wake up early. Um, and you can also change the action here. You know, uh, it's common for people to scream in anger. It's common for people to play giraffe tennis. It's common for people to go shooting every Thursday before dinner. So this is, I always see this like Lego, right? You, you've got your sort of Lego structure and you're just changing some bricks. You're changing the red brick for the white brick. It's common for people to wake up early. It's weird for people to wake up early. Red brick becomes white brick. Just like Lego, this is pattern grammar. Okay, welcome back to the Clark and Miller English Podcast. Um, yeah, good to have you back. And if this is your first time, then just welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, today, we're going to uh, in, check out some songs, uh, some very famous songs. And we're going to look at some interesting patterns, uh, pattern grammar. Uh, which is a, a nice new magical phrase, pattern grammar. We're going to look at pattern grammar. I like saying that, that phrase, pattern grammar. We're going to look at pattern grammar and uh, how these songs can help uh, fix some kind of common mistakes that we just keep hearing all the time um, and how a bit of music can really just solve, solve some problems. And also we get to listen to some tunes today, uh, some music. Um, yeah. So um, first of all, I just want to give a big shout out, a big thank you to people on Facebook who uh, responded to my, my request um, about uh, this, this podcast episode. Uh, your names will be mentioned um, in this episode because we got, I got some great suggestions from people on the online internet community who, uh, who, um, who showed me some great songs uh, to help us remember pattern grammar and gets pattern grammar correct what is pattern grammar well we'll we'll find out um so i'm going to stop speaking at you um and we're going to listen to the episode on Sinead o'connor pattern grammar lexical learning britney spears lots of stuff happening today before we do very quickly i just want to recommend you uh my youtube channel it's we're sort of getting it started at the moment we've got a whole bunch of interesting videos mostly focusing on on phrases words and phrases like lots of vocab oriented stuff for different situations so yeah clark and miller youtube channel head over there have fun have a laugh laugh at my silly hair and uh, learn some phrases uh, on the way but yeah in the meantime let's just get going here we go with the episode enjoy Okay, yeah, so today I want to start by talking about Alison. Okay, yeah, who's Alison? Right, good question. Well, Alison is a minor character from the 1996 uh, film Train Spotting. Classic film um, based on a 1993 book, a uh, very popular film in the 90s about heroin addicts in Leith, Edinburgh. So, yep, yeah, we're starting with a very nice, cheerful topic heroin addicts in Leith in the 90s. A really good film, strongly recommended. Um, it, it does the, the, the balance of uh, comedy and drama really, really perfectly. So it's a, it's a good film to watch. It's, it's thought provoking, and but still like really engaging, really easy to watch. Anyway, we're not here to do film reviews. I want to talk about Alison. So why, why do I want to talk about Alison? Well, in the prequel to Trainspotting, the book uh, that 
takes place before the film Train Spotting. Alison has a moment of what I like to call lexical enlightenment. And this is a, a weird thing, and it happens, it happens to us from time to time. It's happened to all of us. Um, let me explain through Alison's story. When, um, so during, during the book, we, we follow Alison through her story. Um, and after a while, we really start to notice that she really likes using the phrase, and that's putting it mildly. And that's putting it mildly. You know this phrase. It means, um, and that's putting it mildly means what you just said is an understatement. So you might say something like, oh, it's quite cold today when it's minus 15 degrees Celsius. And I could say, yeah, that's putting it mildly. Yeah, it, it, I mean like, yeah, that's an understatement. It's extremely cold, not quite cold. Or you could say something like, Barry's suit looks a bit silly uh, when Barry is wearing a really ridiculous suit. And uh, I could say, yeah, that's putting it mildly. Meaning Barry's suit isn't a bit silly. Barry's suit is absolutely ridiculous. You are playing it down. You're understating this. Anyway, Alison, really likes this phrase and she uses a lot. You can see her using it throughout the, uh, throughout the book. And finally, at about two thirds of the way through the book, we get uh, this, I'm going to quote from, uh, from the book. She was going to add that was putting it mildly, but Kelly had half jokingly pulled her up for saying that a lot. Okay, so basically, she, Alison is about to say she's putting it mildly for the thousandth time. And um, she remembers that her friend had kind of told her that she uses that phrase too much. So she doesn't use it anymore. Alison kind of realizes that she uses the phrase too much and decides to stop using it, or at least use it less often. Um, and yeah, this has happened to, to all of us, right? We, we know this is this sort of situation, right? When you, you really start using a phrase, you, you discover a new phrase in your first language or your second language or your third or your ninth. And you, you discover a new phrase, you really like it and you, you use it a lot. And then you realize that you're using it too much. Um, but why do we do it? Why, why was Alison using that phrase, that's putting it mildly so much in the first place? Well, she liked it right? Um, so she, she kept saying it. It makes sense. You, you, you learn something new, you want to use it. And let's think about Alison and what's happening in her head when she says it, this phrase. Let's look at this phrase. That's putting it mildly. That's putting it mildly. Let's focus on this phrase for a minute. And let's think about what Alison's thinking when she uses that phrase. Is she thinking, Okay, so we start with the subject that, now we should add an auxiliary. Now I'm in the present continuous tense, so I need is, not are, because that is singular. Okay, now for the verb. Oh, don't forget ing, now I want to use an object, but I want it to be vague. So we'll, we'll use it as the object. Right, and I want to modify with an adverb at the end. So adjective mild plus ly, because it's an adverb mildly, that's putting it mildly. Yeah, do you really think this is what she's thinking. Is this going on in her head when, when she uses this phrase? Um, is that her thought process? No, no, of course not. Um, when we use phrases, we don't think about them like that. We don't analyze each piece. We, we consider it as a complete chunk, as a complete phrase. Uh, Alison just picked this phrase up, right, from hearing other people. She remembers hearing other people saying that's putting it mildly in certain situations, and she heard it enough times, and then she started using it herself. 
She's not thinking about tense or syntax, even the semantics of the words. I mean, why use put and not say, right? Which would make more sense. That's saying it mildly. Uh, what does it refer to? Um, these are not questions that Alison asks. Uh, these are the sorts of questions that a, a, a very bored English teacher would ask, like me. Uh, she conceives of this phrase, that's putting it mildly, Alison conceives of this phrase as one large chunk, one large piece. It all belongs together. It's inseparable. And in a way, Alison's moment of lexical enlightenment illustrates that when Alison realises that she's been overusing this phrase and then she decides not to use it, she doesn't decide to stop using the present continuous with it. She doesn't reject the use of adverbs at the end of sentences. She doesn't decide not to use the verb put anymore. She's rejecting the whole phrase as one thing, right? And she doesn't decide to modify it either. She doesn't think, okay, I'm using that's putting it mildly too much. Maybe I should mix it up a bit. Maybe I should say what you said says it softly, or even that's placing the matter in an understated way for sure. She doesn't use another way of saying that's putting it mildly. She just abandons the whole phrase completely. She doesn't try to modify it, and she doesn't abandon the tenses or the words. She's abandoning just the phrase. Uh, is that specific collection of words that she decides to drop. That collection of words is completely independent of the grammar that makes it up. Okay, makes sense, right? So we got this phrase, the phrase is, the grammar of the phrase is quite irrelevant really in Alison's head. It's either the phrase or not the phrase. There's no middle ground. And the way I see it, this uh, example of lexical enlightenment is um, the heart of what I like to call, well, I like to call, is at the heart of something called lexical learning. Now, if you're, if, you're a, if you're a learner of English, if you're studying English, you don't need to focus on this stuff too much. But it's good to sort of think about learning a language um, in this way, because it can be very, very useful. Lexical learning. So what's lexical learning? Lexical learning is seeing language as more than just the sum of its parts, more than just the little pieces that make, make up the language. Um, it's about looking at the language uh, not as a system of grammar that we just fill with vocabulary, but more looking at the language as chunks, pieces of language, chunks that stick together. Chunks like that's putting it mildly. So we'll see more examples of this. Don't worry, we're going to, you know me, I'm going to repeat myself in different ways <laughs> to really make the point. So this is the basics of it. Yeah, looking at language as like large pieces, not lots of small pieces or larger pieces. And as we saw with that's putting it mildly, when we have a chunk of language like this, we can't really change it, at least with this example. That's why uh, that's placing it mildly and that's putting it softly don't work. Nobody says those phrases. Um, that's putting it mildly, yes. Not that's placing it mildly or that, that's putting it softly. That doesn't happen. The phrase is fixed. Okay, so let's try another one. We're going to have a lot of examples here today before we move on to the, to the songs. Um, but yeah, let's try another one. Uh, happy birthday. What about happy birthday? A nice phrase we're always happy to hear. Um, 
So can we also say uh, enjoyable birthday? Well, we can, but that's a bit weird. So probably don't. Unless you want to be weird. I like being weird. So, you know, sometimes I say things like that. But generally speaking, no one says enjoyable birthday. What about fun birthday or joyful birthday? No, we don't. We just say happy birthday. In terms of syntax, grammar, semantics, that kind of thing, you know, enjoyable birthday, fun birthday, joyful birthday, they're all correct. Syntax, grammar and semantics, you know, the sort of... uh, the mechanical engine of the language, they can't tell us why enjoyable birthday is wrong. Syntax, grammar and semantics can't tell us why fun birthday is wrong. Um, This stuff doesn't tell us why that's placing it mildly is wrong because they should be right, but they are wrong. They just are. Um, So... Yeah, I want to give you a little quote from uh, Michael Lewis, who is basically the founder of lexical learning. Uh, Here it is. Traditional grammatical knowledge endorsed by Chomsky's idea of competence has concentrated on all the possible sentences of English. Language teaching must make cognizance of possible sentences. More frequently, however, its primary concern must be with sentences which constitute probable utterances. Context, and in particular cotext, make many possible sentences improbable. Okay, so that was a little bit, um, a little advanced there, but basically what's he saying? Okay, well, this is what's happening. Traditionally, we looked at language as a structure of grammar to be filled with vocabulary, thus giving us a system to say anything we can imagine, right? Anything is possible. But what Lewis is saying is that although that's partly true, it's not enough. We need to pay attention to what's probable as well. This is the distinction. What's possible in language? That's so many things. That's very, that's absolutely any sort of grammatical sentence you can think of. Um, but what's probable is much smaller. There's, a, there's much less probable uh, possible sentences. Uh, so, for example, that's placing it softly is possible. Joyful birthday is possible. Excuse me, but do you know what the hour is, is possible. But that's putting it mildly. Happy birthday. And excuse me, but do you have the time is possible and much more probable. And that means it's the thing you need to learn. You know, if you're learning a language, I guess this is the point. If you're learning a language, you can't just think about what's possible. You also need to think about what's probable. Is this grammatically possible? Sure, but is it what people say? Um, And okay, cool. So the examples, you know, I'm giving you now. Okay, sure. These are fixed phrases, right? It's just vocabulary. Um, That's putting it mildly. Happy birthday. Just fixed phrases, right? But what about grammar? Surely grammar, like, is much more flexible in this way, right? Well, yes and no and yes and no. Um, Let's look at some examples. It gets really interesting when we think about grammar and lexical learning. Uh, So let's look at some more English chunks and decide whether these are vocabulary items or grammatical ones. Surely we can decide if something is vocab or grammar, right? We have these two categories. Well, let's have a look. Uh, Let's look at a word like hemoglobin. Hemoglobin. Okay, that's definitely vocabulary, right? So we put that in the vocabulary section. Okay, what about look out. Okay. Um, I guess that that's grammar, is it? Okay. Look out. It's got, it's got a verb and 
it depends. Okay, maybe that's like a fixed phrase, like uh, that's putting it mildly. Okay, so maybe that's more like a vocab thing. What about on the beach? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's vocabulary, right? I mean, we have a preposition, don't we? Yeah, so, but mostly vocabulary. By the way, fixed phrase, right? Vocabulary, just vocabulary. Have a clear idea of. Oh, have a clear idea of. Okay, um, have a clear idea. Well, it's a verb, so it's kind of grammary. A clear idea of, uh, but I guess again, this is a fixed phrase, so maybe that's vocabulary too. What about make a speech? Well, I guess you can give a speech, so that's flexible, but you can't do a speech, so it's not that flexible. That's kind of in the middle. That's a fixed phrase, but also flexible, right? What about I'll see you later? I'll see you later. I'll see you later. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so grammatical, isn't it? That's like a full-on, full-on grammatical sentence there. But I'll see you later. That's a fixed phrase. We don't really change that. So it's like, that's putting it mildly. So again, more vocab. Okay, moving on. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. I mean, this has got like a, a phrasal verb and, and, and a subject. And what about make your mind up? Now it's like a, a, a splittable phrase. That's got to be grammar. But it's a, it's like a fixed phrase too. I'm so confused. Grammar, vocabulary, what is it? Who knows? If I were you, I don't know anymore. Have you ever? Oh God, that's got to be grammar, right? What are you cooking? Come on, that's just a simple like present continuous example. That's got to be grammar. And yeah, I guess we could say it's grammary. It's, it's quite a grammary example. So what's going on here? It's not that clear, right? Things don't simply fall into vocabulary and gr grammar. We have these fixed phrases, these sort of patterns of language that we, we, we say all the time. What are you cooking is quite a common phrase. Um, and we wouldn't say, you know, like, what's cooking in your, what's cooking in your kitchen? Or <laughs> what food are you making? We, we tend to say, what are you cooking? Um, yeah, okay, so <laughs> as you can see, there's more of a spectrum here. Um, some things are very clearly like vocabulary side of the spectrum. Some things are very clearly the grammary side of the spectrum. Um, Mike Lewis, the, the guy who uh, discovered this, uh, who founded this uh, lexical learning approach, in his book, uh, rejects the dichotomy of grammar and vocab as two separate things. Um, so he's basically saying that it's like a spectrum. You have uh, very, very clearly vocab sort of stuff, like hemoglobin on one side, and very, very clearly grammatic grammatical, I hate that word, grammaticalized stuff on the other, like have you ever, or what are you cooking? Um, and yeah, so basically, there is no clear like vocab or grammar. Everything is on a sort of lexical spectrum with more vocab oriented stuff and more grammar oriented stuff on the other. And if you look at learning a language like this, it makes things a lot easier uh, because you can think in terms of chunks, in terms of fixed phrases. Some fixed phrases are very fixed, like that's putting it mildly, uh, where you can't change anything. Some fixed phrases are a lot less fixed, let's say, like what, what are you cooking can actually be messed around with a lot. Um, what are you doing? What are you eating? What are you thinking? But all on some sort of spectrum here. And even with the stuff on the grammatical side, like have you ever and what are you cooking? This can still be looked at from a lexical point of view. To simplify this, uh, I'm gonna use a, a Mike Lewis phrase 
pattern grammar. Uh, really simple phrase, pattern grammar. Um, and it kind of makes things make sense. Uh, and this is the stuff in the middle of the spectrum, things that are not purely grammatical, not purely like vocabulary, something in the middle. Um, we could say that a phrase like, I used to live here, is quite grammary, right? So we think of negatives like didn't used to and questions like did you used to in a sort of grammatical way. Um, and cheers, cheers is more like vocabulary-ish, right? So we think of it as an isolated word, as a phrase almost, a one word phrase. But these things in the middle, I, I really want to focus on these because this is where we're going to have uh, some fun today. And this is where our wonderful songs are going to come in. Uh, these are things that look like a vocab thing, but fall into some sort of pattern. Again, it's called pattern grammar. So let's look at some examples. So let's take the phrase, let's take the sentence. He told me to open the window. Okay, he told me to open the window. Okay, so this seems, this is just a, a nice, simple sentence. And let's check it out, right? So we have tense. Like, he told me, it's the past. We have this subject verb object thing going on, he told me. Then we have this sort of other predicate at the end to open the window. Sure, but um, if you look at this from a like pattern grammar point of view, it opens up so much more. So we have, he told me to open the window, but we also have, he forced me to open the window, or he asked me to open the window, or he ordered me to open the window, or he implored me to open the window, or he begged me to open the window, he advised me to open the window, he really wants that window open. All of these have a very similar, but not the same, but similar function. You know, he told me to, he asked me to. It's a, some sort of request or order. And they all have uh, the same syntax, right? He told me to, he forced me to. So the pattern of the sentence doesn't change and the meanings are very similar. So we have this sort of interesting pattern going on. Um, this isn't tense, this isn't pure grammar, but it's not pure vocab either, it's in the middle, it's this pattern grammar. Let's look at another example. I don't recommend you push that button but you could also say, I don't suggest you push that, push that button, or I don't advise you push that button. Um, so again, we have this sort of uh, structure that accommodates a little bit of flexibility, but still keeps us the same structure. Um, let's look at some more examples. It's common for people to wake up early here, uh, but you can also say it's normal for people to wake up early. It's weird for people to wake up early. It's typical for people to wake up early. It's unusual for people to wake up early. It's difficult, easy or healthy for people to wake up early. But you can also change people. You can say it's uh, common for dogs to wake up early. It's common for kids to wake up early, for women between the ages of 28 and 41 to wake up early. Um, and you can also change the action here. You know, uh, it's common for people to scream in anger. It's common for people to play giraffe tennis. It's common for people to to go shooting every Thursday before dinner. So this is, I always see this like Lego, right? You, you've got your sort of Lego structure and you're just changing some bricks. You're changing the red brick for the white brick. It's common for people to wake up early. It's weird for people to wake up early. Red brick becomes white brick, just like Lego. This is pattern grammar. And if you think about language and when you're learning English or if you're teaching English, if you're a teacher or both, yeah, um, if you, learning can be quicker 
if you if you think about things in lex uh, in this sort of pattern grammar sort of way, you you see this sort of structure, and you want to um, you want to see what else you can do with the same structure, like Lego. Change the red brick for the white brick. Okay, and this brings us to our songs. We're going to look at some songs today, and I think. Think about Alison again, right? Like Alison picked up that phrase, that's putting it mildly. She never learnt the phrase by building it. She never learnt that and then the word put and then the grammar for ing and then adverbs. She didn't, you know, it didn't build. She just picked up the whole phrase in one go, in one piece, in one chunk. And a good way of picking up uh, structures is songs right because you know songs stick in our head the rhythm of the song and the rhythm of the structure um, have to match so it's easier for us to to get it right because if there's one syllable too many or one missing syllable it just doesn't feel right so if we can remember the songs we can remember the structures now we don't have to go ahead and learn loads of songs because you know songs there are, there are some really famous songs out there, so I'm told. Um, so the internet tells me. Yeah, no, I mean, like, um, yeah, there are songs floating around in your head that you probably don't think about, but you kind of know, or you at least know the rhythm of, of, of how the song goes. So yeah, we're going to look at seven classic mistakes that I hear a lot. Um, and uh, we're going to hopefully fix them with seven songs. So these are classic mistakes that are kind of in that pattern grammar area. And these are seven mistakes where there are songs um, that you can, you probably know, you've probably got this song floating around in your head and um, you can possibly use this song as a way to enjoy this phrase, enjoy this pattern, but also um, get it right. And, and, and fix some mistakes. So here we go. Uh, the classic mistakes are, mistake number one, it's a long time that I didn't see you. It's not correct. Mistake two, we've got more five tickets left. We've got more five tickets less, definitely not correct. We work four days in a week in August. We work four days in a week in August, not correct. I want that my kids go to a public school. I want that my kids go to a public school, not correct. Thank you that you helped me. Thank you that you helped me, not correct. His parents made him to do extra classes at the weekend. His parents made him to do extra classes at the weekend, not correct. And it's not so big than my city. It's not so big than my city. Okay, another classic mistake, not correct. So these mistakes are very common, but they're, they're also common because they're the phrases are also common, the, the patterns, the, the sort of semi-fixed phrases are things we use all the time. That's why I hear the mistakes so often. Um, and they're so common that you probably know a song with some of these. So let's take a look at the songs. Okay, so the first song we're going to look at today is by Prince, but probably most famously sung by Sinead O'Connor. That song is Nothing Compares to You. So let's look at the mistake. The mistake is it's a long time that I didn't see you. We're going to listen to a section of the song and can you hear the grammar? Can you fix this mistake by listening to Sinead O'Connor? Here it comes. It's been seven hours and 13 days since you took your life. 
Okay, there it is. It's been seven hours and 15 days since you took your love away. It's been seven hours and 15 days since you took your love away. So it's been seven hours. It's been time since, since you took your love away in the past. Okay, so instead of it's a long time that I didn't see you, think like Sinead O'Connor. Here we go. It's a long time that it's been a long time that since I saw you. I mean, it doesn't fit, does it? But um, you know how to start it. It's been it's been a long time since I saw you. Not it's been a long time that I didn't see you. Thank you, Sinead O'Connor, for giving us the grammar or the lexico, the pattern grammar <laughs> to get this one right. It's been seven hours and 15 days since you took your love away. If you remember that line, you'll remember this pattern. Okay, uh, we've got more five tickets left. Okay, so this is a, a, a quite a classic mistake. We've got more five tickets left. Um, how do we fix this problem? Well, let's turn to 90s pop teen sensation Britney Spears with her incredibly questionable music video and questionable song uh, Hit Me Baby One More Time. Now I think the clue is in the title um, but let's go and check it out. Can you solve the we've got more five tickets left sentence? Can you correct it with Britney's help? Here it is. Hit me baby one more time. Okay, there it is. Hit me baby one more time. One more time. Number more thing. Um, yeah, so it's not we got more five tickets left. We got five more tickets left. That's it. Thank you, Britney Spears. Okay, yeah, we work four days in a week in August. Four days in a week in August. Yeah, very common mistake, but also kind of a reasonable mistake to make here. Um, I hear it a lot and you know, there's no good reason why we can't say it four days in a week, um, but it's wrong. It's wrong. And you know, sometimes there's no real reason why something's wrong. It's just something that you have to learn. And you know, there are different ways we could learn it. Right, so you could study, you could say, oh, we always use numbers before more, must remember that. Or we can listen to the Beatles, uh, most specifically early Beatles and their song eight days a week which is ridiculous because obviously there are only seven days in a week so how can he love her eight days a week if there are only seven days a week this guy is a good musician but is not a good scientist really he isn't anyway eight days a week uh, here's the clip Eight days a week, not eight days in a week. Eight days in a week. Nope, doesn't sound good. Eight days a week, four days a week, six months a year, two hours a day, one second. One second. <laughs> what happened? One, that doesn't come up often, does it? One second an hour. Um, yeah, and also for speeds as well, you know, 88 miles an hour, not 88 miles in an hour. Um, so yeah eight days a week get that structure then get this one right okay what's next i want that my kids go to a public school i want that my kids go to a public school okay cool so again we're gonna turn to music uh to, to solve this problem let's listen to the song 
Um, this is uh, this time Alanis Morissette is going to help us with her classic 90s track, You Oughta Know. Um, but we're just going to go for the first, uh, the beginning of this song. And here it is. Okay, see if you can hear it. I want you to know that I'm... There it is. I want you to know. I want you to know. That's all you need to remember. I want you to know. Okay, so it's the first line of the song. I want that you know. No, I want you to know. Don't ask me why. This is just like a weird, like this is just the way we've decided that we're going to express this. Um, I want you to know, not I want that you know. So instead of I want that my kids go to a public school, it's I want my kids to go to a public school. I want you to know, I want my kids to go. That sounds quite good, doesn't it? I want you to know, I want my kids to go. We can make a new song and show that Alanis Morissette, uh, who's got the skills. <laughs> right, okay. Um, out of a dream world, let's move back to the sentences. Okay, yeah, um, so for the next one, we're going to look uh, to Dido, um, you know Dido, uh, even if you don't know Dido, you know Dido because you know Eminem and everyone knows Eminem. And one of his most famous early tracks, Stan, had Dido in the chorus. It was the verse of Dido's song in the chorus for the Eminem song. Quite com confusing, but you know, the music world, crazy place. Um, I want to thank um, Melinda Makos uh, for suggesting this one. I, I put, um, I asked online. Uh, for some uh, ideas for this uh, for this podcast episode, and thank you very much, Melinda, because you suggested um, you suggested Dido for this structure. So here we go. The the mistake sentence is thank you that she helped me. Let's see if we can find what the correct form is. Okay, there it is. I want to thank you for giving me the best days of my life. Okay, so I want to th thank you for giving, right? Thank you for giving. So yeah, thank you that you helped me. No, thank you for helping me. There it is. There's the pattern. We need the right pattern. When we got the right pattern, we can change things around. Um, so yeah, we can say thank you for helping me. Thank you for doing the, the homework for me. Uh, thank you for driving me to the airport. Thank you for uh, making that wonderful snowman with my seven-year-old kid who loves snowmen. I don't know. Um, yeah, thank you for. Okay, moving on. Let's go to the next one. Um, his parents made him to do extra classes at the weekend. Okay, made him to do. This is classic and it's fair enough because, you know, if we have a verb, usually if, if it's not ing, it's often two if it's not the main verb. But yeah, made, me, made him to do extra classes. Let's ask Amy Winehouse this time uh, how to form this correctly. Before we go to Amy, though, I also want to thank Val Blanchard uh, for making uh, this suggestion uh, for the Amy Winehouse track. So we're going to listen to Amy Winehouse song Rehab. And um, yeah, let's see if we can correct his parents made him to do extra classes at the weekend. They tried to make me go to rehab, I said... Okay, here it is. This, everyone knows this song, right? They try to make me go to rehab. They try to make me go to rehab. Okay, try to make me go. Make me go. That's the answer, right? It's not make me to go. It's make me go. There you go. So 
you hear that song in your head and probably that song is now going to be in your head for the rest of the day um yeah make someone do something and also worth knowing that you can have someone do something you can let someone do something and you can make someone do something so when you have make me go to rehab you also have let me go to rehab and you also have have me go to rehab all of these have a very similar similar sort of feeling so yeah thanks amy winehouse and uh, val blanchard for that one finally uh, we're going to go to the last one and the last one is well the, the the sentence the mistake sentence is it's not so big than my city i hear this so much it's a really really common mistake very understandable mistake but let's fix it right because it's not quite right and to fix it i want to thank sam berry who uh who recommended this one so yeah thanks sam for that um Sam recommended a song I've never heard before. This is a, a first for me. In fact, I still haven't heard it. So I'm actually going to listen to it now. I'm, I'm obviously going to edit that out. But I'm going to check out this song. And uh, yeah, how does it fix the, the mistake? It's not so big than my city. All right, I'm going to listen to it now. Here I go. As sly as a fox, as strong as an ox, as fast as a hare, as brave as a bear. As free as a bird, as neat as a word, as quiet as a mouse, as big as a house. Ah! Okay, that song, <laughs> that was a good song. It was cute. I liked it a lot. Um, okay, so that song has all the answers for this. It's not so big than my city. We've got as sly as a fox, as strong as an ox, as fast as a hare, as brave as a bear, as free as a bird, as neat as a word, as quiet as a mouse, as big as a house. We've got so many. There are so many in this song. I'm looking at the lyrics now. As mean as a wolf, as sharp as a tooth, as deep as a bite, as dark as the night. As mean as a wolf, as sharp as a tooth, as deep as a bite, as dark as the night. As sweet as a song, as right as a wrong, as long as a road, as ugly as a toad, as pretty as, as sweet a as a song, as right as a wrong, as long as a road, as ugly as a toad. It goes on and on. As warm as the sun, as silly, as fun, as cool as a tree, as scary as, as the sea, as hot as fire. A cold as ice, sweet as sugar, and everything nice. As old as time, as straight. Oh, um, it just goes on and on. There, there are so many great examples of this structure. And I'm sure by the end of this song, you're never going to make the mistake again. And what was the mistake? The mistake was, it's not so big than my city. Okay, we need to get into uh, get into Lenka mode uh, and. Lenka's the, the name of the singer of the song. The song is everything at once. It's not as big as my city. As big as my city. Yeah, as, <laughs> whenever I use this structure now, I'm just going to have that song in my head. Um, but yeah, great. Okay, a very catchy song. Catchy songs are good ways to, um, to remember things. So yeah, check out that song, Lenka, everything at once. And by the end, of, it's kind of like a, a prescription, like medical prescription. Listen to this song three times and your, your, your grammar health problem will, will have gone away. Um, <laughs> you can't make that mistake after hearing this song <laughs> enough times. It's not as big as my city, as strong as an ox, as sharp as a knife. I could go on. She did. Anyway, yeah, so that's it. Um, just to recap, uh, we've got uh, these different songs, the seven songs. Um, and here we go. We've got uh, Nothing Compares to You, 
where we've got it's been seven hours and 15 days since you took your love away there you go that structure it's been some time since something happened we've got the classic hit me baby one more time thank you britney spears from the 90s very questionable uh, video um but yeah not questionable grammar here um hit me baby one more time not more one time one more time um so thanks britney spears uh we've also got eight days a week uh to the beatles for this eight days a week two hours a day one month a year uh, we've also got i want you to know for that i want you to structure or i want him to or i want myself to structure we've got i want to thank you for giving me the best days of my life okay so that's a uh, thank you dido and thank you melinda macos for the suggestion there we've got uh they tried to make me go to rehab but i said no 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 uh thanks amy winehouse and val blanchard for that and finally we got as strong as an ox as fierce as a fox or whatever it was um thanks to lenka and Sanberry for pointing that one out okay so go and check out those songs like seriously just listen to those songs a few times notice uh, notice these structures when you're listening to them and that should really help like solve these problems a little bit um yeah and that's it uh, i hope that uh the podcast doesn't get taken down because clearly this is copyrighted material we'll see what happens with that if not maybe i can just replace it with me singing it who knows we'll see what happens Meanwhile, thanks very much for listening. It's great to talk at you as usual, and I will talk to you next time. Until then, ciao for now. <laughs>